Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And you can find me at Rich Valdez on all of the social media if you want to give us a follow. Thank you for joining the program. Now, there's a few headlines I want to give to you because check this out. Lots going on today. Here we go. White House claims that the borders closed, quote-unquote, after 50 illegal migrants were found dead in a truck. This is horrible. It's tragic. They were trapped inside. I think they originally found 46 of them. They heard people screaming out of the truck. This is a horrible story in Texas. We'll get into it a little bit more later, but the death toll has climbed from 46 to 50, and it's absolutely horrific. Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend slash uh, groomer, she's been sentenced to 20 years in prison for sex trafficking. Uh, Senate Republicans are looking to introduce a bill to prevent the mass cancellation of student debt before Biden goes off the deep end. Then there's Michael Stenger, uh, Mr. Stenger, or it might be Stenger. He was the Senate's sergeant at arms during the January 6th uh, attack, and he was blaming professional agitators for being at the, the riot. He's been found dead, so we'll get to that a little bit later as well. Plus, baby formula still hasn't improved, and there's other things that are happening, like the good old January 6th committee, who today says they have a bombshell witness I've got a, a pretty long clip that I'm going to play for you, and I'm going to interrupt it along the way as I have questions. This is Benny Thompson, Liz Cheney, and Cassidy Hutchinson, who was an aide to Mark Meadows, the chief of staff at the White House. She is turning state's evidence, quote-unquote, my words, not theirs, and uh, he, she's here to make the case that everybody was in on this conspiracy and that they knew that things could get out of hand. Well, duh, lady, we, we, we knew that. That's why on the 3rd, of January or the 4th, Cash Patel and the Department of Defense offered the National Guard, and it was turned down. Check this out. As is gentlewoman from Wyoming, Ms. Cheney, for questions. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, we uh, will begin today with an exchange that first provided Ms. Hutchinson a tangible sense of the ongoing planning for the events of January 6th. On January 2nd, four days before the attack on our Capitol, President Trump's lead lawyer, Mr. Giuliani, was meeting with White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and others. Ms. Hutchinson, do you remember Mr. Giuliani meeting with Mr. Meadows on January 2nd, 2021? I do. He met with Mr. Meadows in the evening of January 2nd, 2021. Now, I'm just going to stop this because you're listening to the audio, but I'm watching the video. This woman's face, she seems like so elated, so excited to be there doing this as if she, you know, has been reading her lines for this role and she's super prepped and ready to go. Just just my initial reaction to seeing her face as she's testifying. 
And we understand that you walked Mr. Giuliani out of the White House that night, um, and he talked to you about January 6th. What do you remember him saying? As Mr. Giuliani and I were walking to his vehicles that evening, he... She almost sounds like she's narrating a crime drama as Mr. Giuliani and I were walking to his vehicle. All right, go ahead. Looked at me and said something to the effect of, Cass, are you excited for the 6th? It's going to be a great day. I remember looking at him and saying, Rudy, could you explain what's, what's happening on the 6th? Uh- what is she... I'm not going to use the R word here, but clearly she knew she was in the loop and she testifies to that as well. This is why I say you just can't trust everybody that's quote unquote uh, uh, under oath and whatnot in these committees because it, it sounds like fake phony fraud. Go ahead. Uh, he, he had responded something to the effect of we're going to the Capitol. It's going to be great. The president's going to be there. He's going to look powerful. He's, he's going to be with the members. He's going to be with the senators. Talk to the chief about it. Talk to the chief about it. He knows about it. And did you go back uh, then up to the West Wing and tell Mr. Meadows about your conversation with Mr. Giuliani? I did. After Mr. Giuliani had left the campus that evening, I went back up to our office and I found Mr. Meadows in his office on the couch. He was scrolling through his phone. I remember leaning against the doorway and saying, I had an interesting conversation with Rudy, Mark. Sounds like we're going to go to the Capitol. He didn't look up from his phone and said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass, but I don't know. Things might get real, real bad on January 6th. Okay, so things might get real, real bad. So you've got Rudy Giuliani, who is a a well-known Republican. He's a partisan. He loves to campaign. He's out on the trail. He's excited about fighting this thing. He's Trump's lawyer, and he's saying Trump is going to look powerful on stage. He's going to make this statement. Everything's going to be great. We're going to go down to the Capitol because they had a plan to march peacefully and patriotically over to the Capitol. However, before the end of President Trump's speech, and this is according to the Washington Post timeline of events, the violence had already erupted and the president never got to walk over there because the Looney Tunes from whichever group they belong to, some people say Antifa, some say this, some say this keeper, some say that, whatever, any combination thereof decided to start beating up the cops and going into that. Now, there's a lot more to add to that because there's there's eyewitness um, testimony of, and even um, police reports that indicate that the less than lethal weapons that they use, like mace and uh, pepper balls and things like that, were used on people that weren't agitating anyone and inflamed the crowd. And that's why they reacted the way they did towards police. And again, police know about these things. Just on a quick aside, you know, I'd gone to the Essex County College Police Academy to train for the reserve unit, the auxiliary unit of the police department in a small town I lived in in New Jersey to volunteer, help them out, whatever. And in the time I was there for this abbreviated academy, they had shown us video of mounted police officers mounted on horseback that from one camera angle, there would be professional agitators that would come and throw ball bearings at the hooves of the police horses who would then, you know, kind of, you know, kick their feet up and, and make, you know, all sorts of uh, maneuvers trying to get away from these ball bearings. And this would be caught on video because of course they're attacking the police and the police would, you know, usually pull out a baton from the saddle of the horse and hit the perpetrator. And that's what they wanted to get on tape to say that this was a uh, police brutality. And, you know, so they incite the violence. They provoke the response from the police to get this. Cops know about this. This is not something that's elaborate or convoluted uh, or contrived. This is just the way it works. So it's not outside of the, uh, the, the realm of reason to say that cops know how to agitate a crowd as well. If you want to get a peaceful crowd riled up, mace them in the face. 
right? <laughs> I mean, there's an old saying uh, amongst the guys that I trained with that they would say, you know, everything is good until they hear the clicking of the handcuffs. That's when the aggression starts. That's when the resisting starts and whatnot. So, uh, again, I'm, you know, I want to take this woman at her word, but it just sounds like her story has so many holes in it to me. Let's continue. Uh, Ms. Hutchinson, Mr. Meadows is engaged in litigation with the committee to try to avoid testifying here. Um, what, what was your reaction when he said to you things might get real, real bad? In the days before January 2nd, I was apprehensive about the 6th. I had heard general plans for a rally. Uh, I had heard tentative movements to potentially go to the Capitol. But when hearing Rudy's take on January 6th and then Mark's response. Now, what was Rudy's take? Because she just testified that he said, oh, the president is going to look powerful. We're going we're to walk down to the Capitol. It's going to be great. He's going to look terrific. What, what was so alarming about Giuliani saying we're going to have this massive rally, it, this, the equivalent of a million man march? What, what is so um, causing of this apprehension? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's out of, uh, out of the ordinary to me. This is why I just I have so much trouble believing her. Plus, I'm looking at her face and she looks like she's full of bleep. That was the first that evening was the first moment that I remember feeling scared and nervous for what could happen on January. Should have stayed home. Go ahead. January 6th. And I had a deeper concern for what was happening with the planning aspects of it. Thank you, Ms. Hutchinson. Today, we're going to be focusing primarily on the events of January 5th and 6th at the White House. Uh, but to begin and to frame the discussion, I want to uh, talk about a conversation that you had with Mr. John Ratcliffe, the Director of National Intelligence. And uh, you had this conversation in December of 20. 20- All right, before she moves on to that, I want to jump in here because Putting Ratcliffe to the side, and I'm not sure what, what angle they're going to go down here, but I am going to say the conversations with Meadows, again, just put yourself in their shoes. Mark Meadows is chief of staff to the president. He understands the characters he's dealing with, right? He's dealing with these very larger-than-life characters, Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump, this billionaire investor from New York, and there's nothing illegal about Trump being concerned about the way things look. Have you ever been to a Trump property? I've had that good pleasure, and they're all terrific. Every detail is immaculate. Why? Because that's the vision that this guy has. He's a great marketer. He's got a vision for the product that he has, and he delivers on it. He was no different as president. So to sit here and try and slight him in some way because he's a marketer, an expert marketer, with an eye for detail and and, and luxury and whatever and whatnot as a designer, as a builder— I I just see it as as misplaced. It's misplaced criticism because that's what he does and that's who he is. So if he wants to have a big old fancy rally that's really, you know, uh, looking good on camera, what's wrong with that? You know how many times I've given a speech where there were cameras in the back room and I would say, you know what, Uh, there's, there's an aisle, you know, chairs on the left, chairs on the right, and there's an aisle going down the middle. And I would say, you know what? I don't want an aisle down the middle. I want an aisle on the left and an aisle on the right. I don't want any aisle in the middle. This way you see the backs of people's heads in theater formation. And then you have the person that's up in the front on stage and it gives the room a better look, an appearance of fullness. Even if the room was full, if you have that aisle going down, separating the chairs, and you, you got that clean shot with nobody's head, then the room kind of looks empty, and you lose the effect of telling the true story on video. 
Now, I was a public relations professional for a little while in my career, so I understood these things, and I realized you want to include as much of the elements through video as you can to tell the story appropriately. So if Trump wants to have the place filled up because he's trying to show that uh, the American people are there, and there really are, and there were people coming from far and wide, and 800,000 people, some say a million, some want to undercut it and say it was only a couple hundred thousand. Either way, largest crowd I'd ever seen uh, ascend on Washington to protest the the uh, certification of this vote. So what's the problem? This is all legal. This is all within one's uh, First Amendment, right? I just don't get it. And, and I don't understand why it's somehow it's wrong because somebody has a big personality. Let's continue. 2020, Mr. Ratcliffe was nominated by President Trump uh, to oversee U.S. intelligence, uh, our U.S. intelligence community. Uh, and before his appointment, Mr. Ratcliffe was a Republican member of Congress. As you will see on this clip, Director Ratcliffe's comments in December of 2020 were prescient. My understanding was Mr. Ra Director Ratcliffe didn't want much to do with the post-election period. Director Ratcliffe felt that it wasn't something that the White House should be pursuing. It felt it was dangerous for the president's legacy. He had expressed to me that he was concerned that it could spiral out of control and potentially be dangerous either in, for our democracy or... All right, I am so tired of this dangerous for our democracy. What are we, a, a bunch of pansies in this country? First of all, we're not a democracy, okay? It's a constitutional republic. You must have heard that a thousand times. Yet they keep saying it and saying it as if somehow if you do something that's just a little bit too forceful, you're going to break this magic thing called democracy. It's like a little flower. B.S. No, it's a constitutional republic. We have an ironclad constitution. You want to hear it? I got it framed right next to me. Listen to this. It doesn't break. It's pretty clear. So what I, I just can't, you know, the, the theatrics and this flowery language and this, and this girl's, her, her posturing, it, it's a little bit um, irksome, if you will. But let's continue. The way that things were going for the sex. And by the way, just because Radcliffe uh, wanted to play it safe politically, that's his prerogative. That's fine. He's not the president. He doesn't get to make those choices. He gives advice on intelligence. He does a, a damn good job of it. Good for him. And, and I'm not saying I disagree with his position or not. I'm just saying everybody serves at the pleasure of the commander-in-chief, at the president. So if, you, if he makes a decision that you don't like, how many times has your boss made a decision you didn't like and you had to do it anyway? What do you do? You go home, you complain to your friends, your other coworkers, you complain to your significant other. Unbelievable. I can't believe I told my boss 10 times, don't do this, and he does it anyway. That's how life is sometimes. The presidency and the White House are no different. I don't understand why, why there's so much... Uh, uh, federal questioning and this this entire whimsical performance that's one-sided as it is just to to make a case for i don't like that guy's personality or his his choice listen to this when you say it wasn't something the white house should be pursuing what's the it the trying to fight the results of the election finding missing ballots yeah, roll over and play dead. 
Trump believes that there was fraud in the election. Trump has every right to, to go forward with this. A lot of people think it's dangerous. And I get it. Listen, I, I understand how Republicans think. I, I've been a Republican for a long time. I understand that. There's a lot of guys, uh, George W. Bush, William Barr, all of these Washington establishment types that understand that, that you only go, oh, but so far. But Trump is a different breed. And guess what? He happens to have connected with the American people like no other maybe besides Reagan. And that's even questionable because I don't know, I wasn't old enough to remember that. So I look at this and I think, you know what, you got to step aside at some point and say, maybe all of the pomp and circumstance of being prim and proper and and collegial all the time is something that you just want to think twice about. He didn't curse in their faces. He didn't uh, flip the bird to Biden. He asked questions. Some idiots went and made things worse than they were, which many people think, again, was was staged in many ways. I can agree with that. And again, when people hear that, they're going to say, oh, staged people died. Yeah, I get it. I'm going to staged to sabotage, right, with the intent of hurting people, with the intent of hurting our democracy, as they like to say. I mean, this is getting incredibly boring to me. I'm going to Let's move it along a little bit, jump in so we can wrap this thing up. The way that the White House is handling the post-election period, he felt that there could be dangerous repercussions. All right, dangerous repercussions. I think she's just putting all of her um, emphasis on who cared about what and who said what. Who cares? I mean, are we losing sight of the fact that it was Trump that was president and it was his shot to call? All right, one more on the uh, crowd size. Go ahead. When we were in the offstage announced area tent behind the stage, he was very concerned about the shot, meaning the photograph that we would get because the rally space wasn't full. Um, One of the reasons, which I've previously stated, was because... Let me just jump in here because, again, there's a lot of tricks here. These people forget, you know, I I have a little bit of experience in understanding both sides of these things, both as a producer, as a host. I I was a producer and the national field director for Project Veritas, which specialized in undercover filmmaking and whatnot. Right. And one of the tricks that they use in the media, the left wing media, is they like to say, all right, there's a Trump rally at seven o'clock tonight. We're going to show up at 11 in the morning. And we're going to show you a picture of the room empty and then try and get that circulated through Twitter all night long and say, oh, wow, some crowd size. There was only about 50 people there. Man, this guy's doing bad. Meanwhile, at seven o'clock, there's probably overflow and people out in the parking lot, but they don't want to show you the truth. They just know that a picture is worth a thousand words. And this is the exact reason why Trump was putting emphasis on making sure they had the right shot. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. It does. Maybe he's a little bit of a control freak that doesn't uh, trust other people in his staff to do that work. That's fine. And guess what? I think I'm the same way. You know, you have people and you rely on people and they're very good people. But sometimes nobody can do it as good as you because the vision is in your head. Go ahead. He wanted it to be full and for people to not feel excluded because they had come far to watch him at the rally. Um, and he felt the mags were at fault for not letting everybody in. But another leading reason, and likely the primary reason, is because he wanted it full and he was angry that we weren't letting people through the mags with weapons, what the Secret Service deemed as weapons and our, our weapons. <laughs> but when we were in the offstage announced... Right now she's laughing. <laughs> but our weapons... Uh, listen, I, I understand... I understand. Uh, I've been to one of these functions. Uh, th- there are certain things like an umbrella. You can't have an umbrella because you could take one of the pokey things, you know, the wire inside of it, and turn it into a weapon. So when she's saying that these are things that are wet pens, pencils, there's a lot of things that can be considered weapons when you're going to one of these outdoor events that have these outdoor um, 
magnometers. And uh, magnometers catch a lot of different things that are not allowed in the vicinity of the president. Does it mean that they're carrying an AK-47 or a knife? No, it does not mean that. So, uh, you know, for to, to again, to put the emphasis now, if somebody had pepper spray on them or something like that, they're probably not going to allow that in. And, uh, yeah, is that used as a self-defense weapon? Sure it is. And maybe that's the case. I don't know. But my point is people who show up for these events oftentimes have a tough time getting in because of these things if they're not told in advance, especially if it's kind of an open to the public type of thing. So I understand the frustration. If you're, you know, you're putting on an event and you have 800,000 people and you're trying to get them corralled into the right place so you can begin your program and, you know, the, the security team, the Secret Service, is saying, hey, look, we can't let these people in. This one has this. This one has the other thing. They have a baby carriage. They can't do that. They have a lot of times backpacks aren't allowed. So people are like, where am I going to leave this? Where am I going to put it? It becomes an, an issue, and I totally understand it. I would be very frustrated, too. So when she's going on and on that Trump is becoming irate and this and that, what is wrong with becoming irate? Why does he have to be somehow dispassionate and and uh, displaying no type of authority? This is like he has to be neutered in order to be president. And I just don't understand it. It's like such a double standard. Go ahead. Tent. I was part of a conversation. I was in the I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Yeah, <laughs> they're not here. to. I think he's right. Again, this is that wisdom of Trump where, again, some might argue and say, no, that's crazy. They might be there. And, and that could potentially true be true. But when you have these magnometers, these metal detectors that are there to catch people, and he's saying, you know, get rid of the freaking metal detector. Let the people in there here to cheer me on. These are our people. These are the American people that want to hear from their president during a time where there's conflict. There's a disagreement over the election. And I want to speak to the public. I think it was just uh, taken so poorly and, and just intentionally looking at him as if he were wrong every step of the way. That type of undermining this presumption, this this prejudgment that he's wrong about everything, that he's not right in the way he's thinking, that his approach is just the wrong one. Those are the type of people you don't want around you. Just imagine if you had people like that undermining you every step of the way when you're trying to run a country. Well, welcome to Donald Trump's world, because it seems that's what happened. And this is a Republican. Imagine what, what the Democrats were doing. We know they were spying and doing so much worse. So that's all I wanted to point out, and I wanted to spend a lot of time on it. And forgive me if I gave them too much airtime, but the, the issue was I wanted you to hear what they had to say and how they were saying it so you could know full well how full of crap they were. Anyway, there's more to come straight ahead. We're going to check in with uh, one of my reporter friends at the Epic Times who's going to give us an update on what's going on in Latin America. Ron DeSantis blasted the election of Mr. Petro as the president of Colombia. So we're going to check out the uh, Latin American reporter for the Epic Times and Epic Times in Espanol. She's going to give us a uh, an update on things and on her program, plus some highlights from her interview with the uh, newly elected member of Congress, Myra Flores, of, down in South Texas. So there's more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. 
Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Big shout out to everybody listening on 1210 WPHT, Philadelphia. Big shout. And uh, I want to talk about, uh, I want to wrap up my thought with the the bombshell testimony that really isn't bombshell to me, showing that Trump has a... uh, uh, a little bit of a temper saying he's lunging at the Secret Service. I don't know about lunging, but again, I, I, you'd probably have to hold me back, too, if I was president. And I said, hey, go over here. And they said, absolutely not. You know, it's for your own safety and whatnot. Uh, I think that's not cool. So, you know what? Uh, I get it. You have to be cooperative. and you, but, but tempers flare. And this is real life. I don't think that this is a reason to impeach him, to imprison him, to do anything. I'd get mad, too, and say, hey, I'm the effing president. That's apparently what happened, and uh, I almost say good on him. You know, it's a very New York thing to do. Uh, Sue me. What do you want me to say? I think that uh, I want a president that's going to fight for what's right. I remember a couple of years ago, quick aside, when George W. Bush was at, I don't know, the Kyoto Protocols or something like that, and he was with uh, his Secret Service team, and they would not allow his his Secret Service agents in. And they let him in, and then they kind of blocked the Secret Service agent, and he grabbed his Secret Service agent by the shoulder and yanked him through, and he was like, no, he's coming with me. And everybody was like, yay, George W. Bush, George W. Bush, applauding him, standing out, all that fun stuff, right? So, and again, I'm, you know, um, being hyperbolic here, but I do remember that, and my point is, Sometimes you got to take the bull by the horns. That's exactly why most people voted for Donald Trump. I know I did. They said he's going to be a bull in the China shop. And I said, great, that's exactly what we need. We got way too many fancy dishes around here. Time to break some of that stuff up and get things done. Anyway, moving along, I want to talk about Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell, she is uh, the girlfriend of Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, apparently she has been sentenced to 20 years in prison for sex trafficking. And that just happened uh, on Tuesday morning because of her role in helping this powerful pedophile, Jeffrey Epstein, to abuse young girls and then ultimately um, selling them to people. United States judge uh, for the district uh, court, Judge Allison Nathan, said that the sentence of 240 months was sufficient and not greater than necessary for Maxwell, who earlier addressed the court and told her victims that she was sorry for the pain that she'd experienced. She also indicated that she wished she'd never met Epstein. 
saying, quote, I hope my conviction and harsh incarceration brings you closure. Her sentencing marks the end of the federal criminal proceedings against her in the Southern District of New York, where she was brought up in, on charges in July of 2020. Ghislaine and uh, all of her pedophile friends, and she's taken the fall. They have her on suicide watch. Again, would it be a big surprise if she, quote unquote, killed herself or if she even really killed herself? You know, I oftentimes think some of these people, they don't learn humility when they get into this type of problem. What happens is they say, you know what? I can't live my life without my Rolls Royces. I can't. 20 years, two decades of this type of existence in blue scrubs and a bob. No, thanks. I need my salon. I need my nails done. I need Jeeves, whatever. And I, a lot of times I think they call it quits all on their own. But that was that story. So I guess justice is done. I don't know. You know, what do we find out about the island? Do Did she drop names? All these great things that people want to hear. Of course, we don't get that stuff. But on a, on a different note, I want to talk about this story here. Epic Times is reporting that former Senate Sergeant at Arms Michael Stenger, who was in charge of security at the Capitol on January 6th, has died at 71 years old. Well, may he rest in peace. And, of course, the circumstances and cause of his death were not immediately clear. Representative Green from Georgia posted on Twitter saying that he was found dead today. Uh, okay. So, I don't see how that adds to this reporting here. Let's go to Sergeant at Arms was the chief law enforcement protocol executive for the U.S. Senate. The Sergeant at Arms is responsible for security in the Capitol. Blah, 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 blah. We don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. So it looks like it's a whole lot of sentences and paragraphs saying we don't know what happened. As we know more, we'll bring you more. This was a whole lot of nothing here. Of course, everybody's thinking some sort of foul play because, you know, there's a committee, there's this and there's that, but it's Washington and people do die. And, and this is one of those things in life. You know, I have a, a brother who dabbles in the conspiracy world and he's always like, you watch, you watch, you watch. And I'm like, listen, when people die in their 70s and 80s after living this uh, Washington lifestyle of, you know, getting drunk every night, going to the, to the parties, the Washington parties, doing all that stuff, 70, 80 years old is like an entire lifetime. A lot of these people just don't survive past that. But maybe that's my own naivete, right? Maybe yes, maybe no, maybe I'm wrong. Now I want to move on to another bad guy everybody loves to hate, George Soros. George Soros is now targeting Hispanic media even more. Uh, this is a report in the American Conservative saying he's a very smart man. He's an expert in the art of slowly but steadily affecting policy changes in the United States because he understands that big change happens locally. And, of course, this is a, a technique taught to people that are studying public administration and other types of government courses that they call incrementalism. And they like to bring you the change very incrementally. It's uh, it's very common. I saw lots of it when I worked in state government in New Jersey. They're all about that. We want to create conditions. That's what they used to say. We want to create the conditions for this, so we go like this. And again, these weren't the Christie people. I worked in the Christie administration. These were the, the embedded, always there, deep state Democrats that no matter who's in charge, they're the ones that are running the mechanism of the government. And ultimately what taught me that there's no way I'm going to retire with a pension from this place because I would never survive. And I did not. But in the last decade, his goal was a progressive reform of criminal justice. And how would anybody achieve such a thing? Well, by donating millions and millions of dollars to members of the House and Senate who've already agreed on a single piece of significant legislation over that entire period. Of course, that's not going to happen. So George Soros quietly donated his way to dozens of district attorney's offices in some of America's biggest cities. 
What happened? Well, you got a bunch of people like Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, like Alvin Bragg in New York, like uh, Gascon in uh, Los Angeles, and then you had uh, Chase Bowden who was booted out of San Francisco. Now, do they have a new goal five years later? Well, changing the education system, perhaps. He is now pouring millions of dollars into non-government organizations and think tanks to, quote-unquote, advise local school boards with what they call DEI programs, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I can barely say it, but that's what it stands for. Now, George Soros seems to have a different agenda. He's also working on Hispanic media. Democrats are wise to be worried about the state of the Hispanic vote. Why? Because a recent YouGov poll showed that in a hypothetical Trump versus Biden election, 38% of Hispanics would vote for Trump, while only 29 would vote for Biden. That's fascinating. That's down from 65, which was down from like 85 or 90 when Clinton ran. I mean, Biden has done miserably with Hispanics. And according to a Quinnipiac poll, only a quarter of Hispanics approve of Biden's performance as president thus far. And I, I read that poll. That was, I think, at the end of May. So, so now they have the Latino Media Network. And I've talked to you about this, about the women that are buying up the radio stations, but they have more planned because these two Democrat operatives, Jess Morales Roqueto and Stephanie Valencia, who both worked for Obama and the Hillary campaign and the DMC, they've announced that they have $80 million and they're going to keep buying stuff up. So not only did they buy these 18 Spanish-speaking radio stations for $60 million, but they've got another $20 million left over to make some more moves. Now, to me, this is overall the, the bigger picture, right? The bigger picture here speaks to how Democrats work or, moreover, how the, the actual Marxists within the Democrat Party do what they have to do. Because this is, this is the undoing, the erasure of our American institutions. We've fallen into this situation where, sadly, where it's, it's no longer what it was. Labor unions are completely compromised. I don't think there's a single labor union out there that, that doesn't have a sleeper cell of Democrats in it. Uh, you may have heard the audio from uh, James O'Keefe's latest um, Project Veritas video. And, you know, let's see if I find it. I'll have, it, uh, have him play it for you. But if not, this is a woman who's running for this. She's a state representative and she's running for the state Senate. And... She she's on the phone with an inmate and the call is recorded and it was released. And she's saying, I mean, the real egregious thing she says is she's telling somebody that's incarcerated that she needs drug dealers to 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 donate to her campaign, which I thought was uh, just crazy in and of itself. She said, I need that that dope boy money. It's literally what she said. But apart from that. There is this notion that. We have to get people undercover like sleeper cells we need some secret sleepers like you need we need them to run as the other side even though they for our side and we need right, them to win right. we need people to run as republicans in these local elections and this is the only way you're going to change the, the dynamics in south carolina we can battle them in public all day as long as we know we're working for the same goal <laughs> for me i feel like y'all we need sleepers when we get enough of us in there we can wreak havoc for real from the inside out. Then we can flip some yeah. from the inside out. We got to take back some of these seats, especially in these local elections. We need a group of sleepers. 
So she's saying we need sleeper cells. This is nothing new. They're doing this everywhere. They're trying to get candidates to run as 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 Republicans. They're trying to get people inside of everything. They've got them inside of the classroom, inside of the universities, inside of our government. And now they're getting them inside of the media as well as radio. And you would think that this last place that we have, this last bastion of conservative media, or at least whether you can have a conservative opinion, talk radio, are we safe here? No, we're not, because they're in here too, and they're trying to get at us. And again, this is how they operate. So how do you stop somebody that makes it their life mission to get educated and to sneak into something so they can create change from within over a 10 or 15, 20 year, uh, year period of time? How do you stop that person? My guess would be to do the exact same thing they're doing, to sneak into their institutions, to Democracy for America and all of these other left-wing radical causes and go in there and do the same thing and slowly but surely bring about changes from within their organizations. Because if we don't fight them on the particular battlefield where the fight is being fought, we're going to lose. If they're working on taking over entire school districts and the entire profession of teaching, and we're going to sit there and, and you know, show up to every Trump rally. I'm not saying to not go to the Trump rallies. I'm saying we're fighting two different battles. We're out there waving signs one day. And then while they're out there poisoning the minds of the future of America every day. And to me, that's what's going on. So we've got to stay vigilant. We've got to stay focused. And we've got to stay on, on top of our game. Anyway, uh, Pachi Valencia is coming up next from the Epic Times, giving us a Latin American update. And then our wrap-up. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez, 1210 Talk Radio, WPHT. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, and that's Rich Valdez with an S. Our guest is... Pachi Valencia, that's P-A-C-H-I. Pachi Valencia is a reporter for the Epic Times en Español. That's the Spanish language version of the Epic Times, which a lot of people didn't even know existed, but it's excellent reporting, and I think you got to check it out. She's been covering U.S. issues, national issues, impacting Latino communities like uh, U.S. and Latin American relations, exposing the Chinese Communist Party's influence in the region of Latin America. And she's also the host and producer of the interview show Opinión Pública, which is in Spanish on Epic TV, the Epic Times streaming platform. 
And there she talks with experts and leaders about the national issues that are impacting the country from uh, the uh, Hispanic Latino perspective. Her program, Opinión Pública, that, which means uh, public opinion, it airs every Wednesday at 9.30 at night on Epic TV, and that's the video platform of the Epic Times. So no further ado, Pachi Valencia, welcome. Hi, Rich. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you bet. So, Pachi, a lot of people don't know or they may have seen uh, is that you guys recently in Spanish, what I thought was really cool. And the reason I think it's cool is not because my family speaks Spanish, but it's because so many people come to me and say, hey, how can we get more programming, more reporting in Spanish that we could share with our family and our friends? That's not the mainstream media like Telemundo and Univision, which have a very slanted uh, look at the news, and it's oftentimes editorialized and not really straight reporting. So I oftentimes send people to Epic Times for just general reporting, but it's great that you guys have this Spanish platform as well. And I, I'm not sure that everybody knows, but the uh, interview that you just recently did, but you did a really uh, good interview, I thought I watched it. It was a nice, really good length interview, probably more than 15 minutes or so, with uh, the new congresswoman-elect from the 34th District of Texas, Myra Flores. Tell us about that interview. What did you take away from that, or what's some of the, the, the big points that she shared with you? Yes, thank you very much, Rich. Well, really, um, before talking about Myra, I do want to emphasize that, yes, we are an independent news media founded in 2000, uh, and the Spanish edition actually started five years after. So we started in 2005, and we've been covering U.S. and national news in Latin America because, as you said, we thought it's very important that people stay informed and that they are just given the facts. And so they can elaborate and form their own opinions. For example, in, in Myra Flores, the Congresswoman Myra Flores case, she was very strong and determined about the values of the Latino community. She told me that these are God-given values. Uh, and, and, and for me, I took it uh, as it's very important for her to not emphasize that this is a political issue, like that these values are not Democrat or Republic from the Democrat Party or the Republican Party, but it's uh, it's um, you know it's the values that we have to hold dear. And in that case, she said that unfortunately, right now the only uh, party that is doing that is the Republican Party. She also t told me a little bit more about what her plans are uh, once she gets into Congress. Um, she talks a lot about how inflation has affected the, the 34th district in Texas um, and how the community, uh, the Hispanic community really supports immigration, but that they're not supporting invasion. They're not supporting illegal immigration. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, economic uh, burdens that right now they are facing because of this and the inflation as well. Um, yes, I, I think that's like the overall um, thing that that really stood out to me with that interview. And I thought and, and I felt really, you know, appreciated that she chose the Epoch Times in, in Espanol to give the first uh, Spanish speaking interview. That, that was really, you know, uh, very, um, you know, we, we, we felt very appreciated. We were really grateful. You know, it really was a great uh, interview. And I think a, you asked some really good questions, but B, to me, I got to see a side of her that I had not seen before because you gave her that the, the time really to, to kind of give a well-developed answer. It wasn't a rushed or hurried two or three minute television segment. I, I really got a better sense of her and why she's running and what she's doing. And it, it was very impressive. So moving along, uh, I know you guys are doing reporting on other topics, other things. 
tell us some of what you're doing with domestic issues. I know there was a recent article you had with Governor Ron DeSantis. Yes, we covered uh, Ron DeSantis talking about the um, the win, the victory of Gustavo Petro, which is the uh, leftist uh, president, uh, recent elected in Colombia. He, you know, he was uh, very public about his opinions uh, of Petro. He was really disappointed about this victory that uh, uh, in Colombia, because I think, and this is just, you know, the overall situation that that I'm seeing in Latin America is that we almost all countries are leaning to the left um and this is something very you know worried we're we're very worried about that um we we try to get as much exposure about like what this means as you know um how communism is infiltrating the countries in in South America and how that can affect also the relationships that they will have with the United States for example um well, this uh, Petro um, president, um, you know, he's been over, there's been several reports about him being a Marxist and, you know, and from the guerrillas. So, uh, yes, yeah, I think that's a very important topic that we always try to cover, uh, that it's out there, you know, but the mainstream media in Spanish is not speaking so much about it. So that's something that also uh, we try to take it as an advantage because I think people should be uh, aware of this uh, news that are happening. Thank you, Pachi. We appreciate it. We'll continue to check in with you with more news from uh, the Hispanic perspective and from Latino America. Yes, please. <laughs> Very happy to, to right. chat with you again. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, more to come straight ahead. Rich Valdez, This is America. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primal número dos, para Rich Valdez, y esto es América, ahora. And so, Coach Kennedy, now that you're going back to your old job and you're going to be allowed to pray, are you going to pray openly on the field or to the side? What are your plans? Wow. <laughs> I wish I had a good answer for that. I know that uh, I'm, I'm going to thank God after every football game. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have a new commitment with God because he's given me a second chance. Amen to that. Coach Kennedy gets his job back. He wins in the Supreme Court. And uh, just like many of pro-lifers won in the Supreme Court. And it's interesting because a lot of people were upset about that, not the least of which was good old AOC all out crazy. She says that this is going to cost women their lives and that forced pregnancies are a crime against humanity. Yep. She said all of that. She also said we need to now use federally qualified health centers on federal land to provide abortions in red states. I'm starting with the babiest of the babiest of the baby steps. Open abortion clinics on federal land in red states right now. Right now. Right now. I think we can expect to hear a little bit more from all out crazy AOC herself in response to being able to pray, in response to the overturning of Roe versus Wade and all of the other craziness and anti-capitalist agenda that she promotes, as well as from the Democrats. I'm sure Biden is going to say we need to pay off student loans. We need to give uh, gasoline or inflation relief checks, more spending to help the spending problem that we had, more spending to lower inflation. That's what the Democrats are trying to do right now. It's totally wrong. And we need you to stick to your guns and vote them right out of office. Anyway, hasta la próxima. Until the next time. 
I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.